Well, thank you for tuning in to another message from The Lighthouse. Pastor Robert Bax is the senior pastor of Lighthouse Baptist Church and a great teacher and preacher of God's Word. We pray that you find this message practical and helpful for where you are at right now. Almost coming to the end of our Smoke and Mirrors series in the book of Ecclesiastes. If you want to get your Bibles open to the book of Ecclesiastes or you can uh, look up on your smartphone or tablet or I'll put the scriptures up on the screen there as well for you to follow along with this morning. Ecclesiastes, this book is an amazing book that speaks to us from the mindset of what was one of the wisest people on earth at the time and that was King Solomon but he speaks to us about the emptiness of life without Jesus Christ in our life. This is really what the essence of the book says to us today and when we read these memoirs of this troubled king we read about his perspective and there was a little phrase that was mentioned throughout the book over and over and it was the expression under the sun. In other words, how he views life from where he is under the sun and he sees that there is, a, without God, there is no meaning to life and last week we saw him start to turn the corner where he brings out the thoughts that God in our life and getting wisdom from God is going to make the difference and I think if uh, we're not careful, the book gives a, a very graphic picture of people's lives that they may one day stand on the edge of eternity, look back over their life and say, what was the meaning of all of this? It was just a waste of my time. What really, what did I really accomplish? Whereas on the other hand, he gives us the, the, the insight into those who do trust in God can look back over their life and say, yeah, life did have purpose. Life did have meaning with God. I may not have understood it all, but I know God was in charge and God unfolded an incredible plan throughout their lives. So this chapter, in chapter 8, what he does, he again launches into the subject of wisdom. Last week I spoke to you about the benefits of wisdom and all the things that wisdom can do for us. Uh, this week he, he talks about the unsearchable riches of God's wisdom. He, he speaks about things, as I've called this uh, session today, this message today, there are some things that are beyond us all, that, that we're never going to grasp. In fact, in, the, in this chapter, a couple of verses, let me show you a couple of them to begin with. In verse 7, it said, for he knoweth not that which shall be. In other words, he, the wise person still doesn't know what's going to come in. A, what, nobody knows what tomorrow holds. Nobody knows what this afternoon holds. Nobody knows that. For who can tell him when it shall be? We don't know those things from there. He goes on at the end of the book, he said, then I beheld all the work of God, that a man cannot find out the work that is done under the sun. Nobody will ever be able to figure everything out. This is what he's come to the conclusion to. Because though a man labor to seek it out, yet he shall not find it. He shall not find it. Yea, further, though a wise man think to know it, yet shall he not be able to find it because when we come to this thought that some things are beyond us all we have to come to that conclusion in life we can't say that I've got it all figured out nobody has we're not going to get there he mentions these things and and God says there are things in life that will happen and nobody no matter who he is can figure them out nobody will figure them out they are the mysteries that lot in life that not even the wise can figure it out and so they are beyond us all and when we Think about this idea of mysteries, the mysteries of life. Uh, they, they, they plague us at times, that some 
unsolved mystery. Ever see those shows that try to solve the mystery of, you know, the cold case or whatever it might be or, or this thing and they, and they search and, and sometimes they may discover some evidence in latter years and work some things out but there are some mysteries of life that we will never, ever be able to resolve. There is that great question mark that is not going to be answered and, and, some, and, and some why that rings around in your heart and mind throughout your life and you sort of think, why? Why Why did this happen from there? I mean, some of the great mysteries, uh, you can throw 12 pairs of socks into the washing machine and only eight come out. I mean, a great mystery. How does that happen? It's obviously eating them or something. Or, or the mystery, have you, have you, have you ever sort of looked, looked ahead and tried to judge which traffic lane to get into and then you switch lanes and no matter what lane you get into, it's always slower than the other one that you were in. I mean, it happens. I mean, yeah, you know, when I'm going through an airport line and you see maybe a couple of check-in areas in, in different places where you can do security and you sort of weigh it up and you think, you look ahead and see, you know what, that person there's got 400, 400 kids, they're going to take forever to get through their line, uh, that person's got this or whatever, and then you weigh it up and then the, the line that you thought was going to go the slowest goes the fastest, one of the great mysteries of life, or the mystery of the jam toast. This is a great mystery. How, how you can put a nice big slab of healthy butter all over your toast and then put beautiful strawberry jam all over that toast and then you drop it and it always seems to end up jammed down on the ground. I mean, always, never on the toast side, just always on the jam side or the mystery of the auto mechanic, how, how you can, you've got a car that gives you trouble free, free for several weeks and you take it in for its, its uh, update and and service, and uh, it runs perfectly at the mechanic's shop. And then you drive out, and halfway home it stalls. I mean, you think, why does it not stall when it was at the mechanic's shop? And you think, the mysteries of life. And we come to the conclusion of life, as humorous as some of those events may be, that there are some things we're just never going to be able to resolve, and we'll never come up to a solution as what happened. And without knowing, without knowing that, God, you are in control, life could be incredibly frustrating. It's frustrating enough as it is when you cannot solve an issue. But to think that there is nobody who is looking over it, that would be extremely frustrating to work through it. But when you and I trust in God and we understand this and we believe that He's in control of life, and do you believe that this morning? Do you believe that God is in control? I mean, there's no panic in heaven, as Cory Tamboom used to say, and He's in control. Then you and I can have peace despite what we know is happening around us. You can say, well, look, I don't fully grasp it, but I can get it. There was a, I'm trying to remember the missionary's name, but he went to, I think it was uh, Mongolia, and, and he, uh, he got in a lot of problems over there and a lot of strife that happened, not, not of his making, just of the hostilities. And he wrote a book and it was called Green Leaf in Time of Drought. And Arthur, someone I think his name was, but he, uh, he made a statement, and this is the thing I always remember of that book. Thou art God when I don't understand. Thou art God when I don't understand. And in the absence, it's not the absence of trouble that we need. What we need most is the presence of the Lord. And sometimes we think, I just wish I didn't have this trouble. I just wish this wasn't happening. I wish I had the absence of trouble. And everyone would like that. But that's not what we need most, because there will be trouble. As the sparks fly upward, Job said, surely there will be trouble that's going to come in our life. And he said, what we need is the presence of God. 
in the midst of what is taking place. Now, let me show you one of my favorite verses in, in the book of Romans, one of the many. Here is a statement that Paul makes about God. And he says, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of wisdom and the knowledge of God. I mean, think about how much knowledge God has and how much you can gain of the knowledge of God. And it's just the depth of the riches. Have you ever been reading your Bible and you've, you've read it for several years maybe and then you come across a new thought in the Scriptures and you think, whoa. And you just feel like this thing just never ends. It's like literally I just keep... It's like a, you ever eat spaghetti and a big pile of spaghetti and you just keep eating spaghetti and it looks like the spaghetti's never going? It's like that. You kind of keep eating and eating and eating and it's just not going away and there's more and more and more. Just the depth the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. And notice what he said, how unsearchable. If something is unsearchable, what is it? No, don't tell me, unsearchable. <laughs> uh, you can't, you're not going to be able to find it. It's unsearchable. It's, uh, it, it, you can't get it. And I love this part. This is my little favorite, favorite expression. And his ways, God's ways, past finding out. Now, now I always liken it like this. If there was a, a place in life that was called finding out, in other words, you can, you can get to this point. Now, imagine in your journey of life, if we travel along from here and, and that point there is called finding out, then along here, I, I find out things, I can discover things, I learn things and I'm getting, uh, I can reason through it, I have knowledge, I get some insight and I hit this point of finding out. Then once I go past this, there are things I will never, ever grasp. They are past finding out. And I travel in this journey like you do, yet we will never fully grasp those things that are past this point because some things are beyond us all. That's what this chapter brings out. This chapter brings that out. And for some people, that's, that's, the, that's saying, well, what's the use of it? Well, you're not going to be able to change that. So you have to learn, well, how do I accept and how do I deal with the fact that God is infinite and we are finite. How do I deal with the idea that He knows it all, He has all wisdom, our knowledge is limited, therefore our wisdom will be limited? How, how do we pull that together? And this chapter gives us some valuable lessons on how to live when I, I can't get it all together, when some things are beyond all of us from here. is the first point to jot down. I need to listen to the counsel from God. This is a very, very important point. Who, who likes um, receiving counsel in life? In other words, advice. Who likes getting advice? I think there are times we think I, you, you sometimes go to a certain shop and you think, I just need to get some good advice. How many love getting bad advice? Anyone? Nobody loves getting bad advice. Everyone thinks, you know what, bad advice, you want to steer clear of that. But everyone would say, I really want some good advice in life. Well, here is the greatest advice we can get, the greatest counsel comes from God. And God is always giving us counsel. He gives us counsel. In this passage, Solomon is he's using Solomon to give us counsel on wisdom. And he's going to speak about the blessing of wisdom. Let me give you three things he says about it here. In verse 1, he tells us, seek to appropriate wisdom in your life. Uh, seek, seek to appropriate it. Bring it into your life from here. And he says this, who, who is as the wise man? And who knoweth the interpretation of a thing? He's telling you, look, there is uh, some people, when you think about a wise person who can come up with a solution and the interpretation of something and work some things out, uh, th those people are, 
sort of, uh, there is not too many in that peer bracket. That's what he's saying. But he said, a man's wisdom maketh his face to shine and the boldness of his face shall be changed. And Solomon speaks about wisdom giving you another perspective to life. And he said, wisdom will impact our lives outwardly. Wisdom is the ability to see things that uh, God sees and see the way he sees it. And, And because, here's the other thing, because something is there doesn't mean you'll see it in life. For example, Solomon was able to appropriate wisdom. Notice what he would say. He would say like this, he would see an ant. When you and I see an ant, what do we think? Many times we think, you pest. And especially when you see a line of ants, you realize they're on a mission. And you think, this, is, this isn't going to be good for what's happening. And then you start to think, where are they? What are they chasing after? What are they doing here? And we often look at the ant as simply a, uh, a little insect or whatever they are to, just to get rid of because we just, they're annoying to us. Solomon looked at an ant and said, man, check out this wisdom. We got wisdom in an ant. And when you look through the Proverbs that he wrote, he said, consider the ant. Look at the ant. And then he gives a little bit of an insult, thou sluggard. I mean, he's talking about people a bit, you know, not really making much, not making much consideration. And he brings wisdom out of all little things of creation. He brings wisdom out of stuff. He sees it. So just because you may see it doesn't mean you're going to get it. He says you need to look for wisdom and, and have the ability to see those things. We need wisdom in life. And, and if you don't have wisdom, it'll make it just harder on yourself in life. But the more you value wisdom, you're going to go after wisdom. You're going to say, God, I need wisdom. I need to know what you would have me to do. I need direction from you from there. And wisdom is not something academic. You can't enroll in an online course on Wisdom 101 and walk away and say, well, now I've got all wisdom. Wisdom comes from God. Wisdom is something that God will grant you as you seek Him, as you follow Him. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And He tells us to grab hold of those things from there. But He says wisdom will do something. He said, a man's wisdom maketh his face to shine. Well, and the boldness of his face shall be changed. Wisdom will change you. It it will actually impact you from inside out. There was an old missionary who was a missionary to to India and to Persia. His name was Henry Martin. And here's what they said about him. They said, missionary to India and Persia, Henry Martin had an expression that was so luminous so intellectual, so affectionate, so beaming with divine charity, he would absorb the attention of every observer. I mean, that's what people wrote about him. There was something about this man as he spoke as a missionary to to unconverted people, they were just drawn to him. And there was something about his life that, and it was his face. And it wasn't that he was some raging star or whatever he may have been or some model, it was just there was something coming from him. There was something beaming from his life in this sense that people said there's something about him. There's something very captivating in his expression. And he tells us wisdom will change you because wisdom is intended to change you inside and out. It's intended to do something. Moses came down from the mountain. We know he met with God on Mount Sinai. He comes down and his face is shining. Uh, Stephen had a similar thing where they said he's like the face of an angel. There's something about this and what he's telling us is wisdom will do something to you because it'll soften you. 
When you understand wisdom, you realize, I don't have it all together. And you're humbled by the fact that God grants you wisdom. And it will take the boldness of your face and make it shine. Wisdom will take the sternness and bring it into softness. Wisdom will do something around you and the harshness and the coldness of life will soften you and cause you to shine. That's what he says. He tells it will impact your life and others will notice that. And you have to appropriate it from there. And the wise person is, is someone who knows how much you don't know because you know who he does know. And I want you to think through this statement. When you have access to God's wisdom, that ought to be enough. And it ought to cause us to say, you know, God, you've let me see things. You've let me understand things. And it's very humbling. When God grants you wisdom, out goes pride, out goes bold, out goes our own little uh, obnoxious attitudes because we realize this isn't from me. God, you've granted me wisdom and you've, you've given me favor to be able to understand something here. And to know that I've applied this wisdom from you. Because wisdom is knowing how much you actually don't know. When you recognize that's past finding out. This is an area of trust and it's very humbling and it's good for us from there. Humility, doesn't humility just put us in our proper place? It does all the time. How many remember Tom Selleck? You know, Magnum is dating us. How many have no idea who Tom Selleck is? Several of you around the place. He was an actor and uh, he had the, always his, his, his old trademark was his nice big thick moustache, Tom Selleck from there. Well, he said this one time, he said, whenever, whenever I get full of myself, I remember a nice couple who approached me one time with a camera on a street in Honolulu. And he, and he thought, oh, well, here's somebody else, one of my fans, you know, of my many millions. And he said, uh, and I was struck. And uh, I realized when the man said, uh, he said, I was ready. And I said, okay. And he's there to make a nice pose with the camera. And they said, no, excuse me, sir, would and handed me the camera. They said, would you mind taking a photo of my wife and I standing here? In other words, he had no idea who he was. And he said, it was always humbling to recognize some of those things. Humility strips away the coat of pride. So he tells us, seek to appropriate wisdom. Here's something else Solomon said, submit to the authorities in your life. This is great wisdom. Submit to the authorities in your life. Now notice what he said here. He said, I counsel thee to keep the king's commandment. Who, Who would be the king in our world? Obviously, those that have some commandment or some authority over our lives. He said, keep the king's commandment, obey the law. And that in regard of the, of the oath of God. And he said, and you remember, uh, like Peter said, there were times when they said, should we obey God or man? And what's God, what was Peter's advice? Always obey God. Always obey God. He said, but be not hasty to go out of his sight. Stand not in an evil thing. For he doeth whatsoever pleaseth him. The king's in charge here. For where the word of the king is, there is power, and who may say unto him, what doest thou? Whether he was talking about himself being the king, we're, we're not really sure here, but he gives some counsel, and he's simply telling you and I to do something. Just obey the law and live a decent, God-fearing life. That, that's applying some wisdom some, to aspects of life. If you don't live under the law and you try to buck the law all the time and work against that, you will reap the certain consequences of that. Now, that's just plain speak as Solomon gives it to us in life. And you say, well, what about, you know, if I don't agree with the law, we'll get voted in and change it. I mean, that's how you do that. Uh, if you don't agree with the law and you want, to, you want to not obey the law, then be willing to put up with the consequences of disobeying the law. 
Uh, you work through it from there. There was a time someone says to me, what if it's an unjust law and I want to rebel and go against that? Well, there was a time where Daniel, there was a law that was passed. And let me ask you, if they passed a law in Australia tonight or today and said, it is illegal for you to pray. Now, do you think that's a just law or an unjust law? An unjust law. They did that in Daniel's time. They said, okay, it's now illegal. You are not allowed to pray. And in fact, if you break the law there will be consequences. So what did Daniel do? Daniel said, I will submit to the government. And here's what he did. I'm going to pray and I will pay the penalty the government puts upon me. I'm submitting to their penalty. Now, what did God do? He ended up getting thrown into the lion's den because of his breaking the law, but his obedience to God delivered him from the lion's den. So, so there, are, there are examples and, uh, to work through that, but that's not the subject of my message today. Uh, but here's what he does say, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for whose sake? For the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme or to the governors as to them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. Intentionally, governments are intended to punish the evil in a society and to praise the well-doing of people. Generally, what should happen in society is that when, uh, when people are doing well, they should get the praise of the authorities. When they're doing evil, they will, cop the bent, they will cop the punishment of the authorities. And Solomon says, you know what? You just got to cop that and expect those things and submit to it. Whoso, whoso keepeth the commandment shall feel no evil thing. And a wise man's heart discerneth both time and judgment And he said here, but when you miss the judgment, when you do the wrong thing at the wrong time, get ready for it, because to every purpose there's a time and judgment, therefore the misery of man is great upon him when he misses it. He said, if you miss those things and you you do your own thing, live independent of of God, well, you're going to cop and there will be misery from there. The next thing he tells us is to search for answers from God, not man. If you and I are going to seek the counsel of God, he tells us to make sure that we are following along these things here and we seek, seek to appropriate wisdom, submit to the authorities in our life and search your answers from God. For he knoweth not which shall be, for who can tell him when it shall be? Not a single man on earth. So therefore, where should I get my answers? God, I need you to help me. God, I turn to you from here. You know the future. I don't know the future. Uh, when people flee to... The, you know, the psychic for answer, the psychic doesn't know no future. Listen, if they knew the future, they'd buy the right lotto ticket to win the lotto. I mean, that's what would happen. They don't know the future. They, they don't know those things. Uh, if that was true, they would know all the right numbers to pick. That's, that's completely, it's not true. In fact, you know, this whole thing, a third of Australians, a third of Australians believe in astrology and they believe that if the planets and the stars were aligned the right way, then this will happen and this will take place. It's not true. That's hocus pocus. It's not true. Here is what the Bible says. Nobody, nobody knows the future. Zero people know the future. The only person who does is God. So therefore, who should you go to? Go to God. Seek Him in prayer. Ask Him to guide your steps and order your steps from there. The second thing He tells us is this. Live with what you cannot change. If I'm, going to, if I'm going to live in a world where things are beyond us, I've got to live with what I cannot change change. And there are some of the mysteries of life that we can't change, that will not change. And wisdom, wisdom is accepting that you cannot change these things. Wisdom says, I have to accept that. 
instead of fighting against some things that cannot be changed. I'm not sure if you would label yourself a control freak. I love that photo of the dog sort of controlling the other dog on the leash, but I'm not sure whether you would control that, but maybe you've been in a place where, uh, where, where someone else was in control and it drove you crazy. And you thought, oh, boy, these people just drive me nuts. And they were in control. They had the, whether it was in your workplace or wherever it may have been, uh, perhaps, um, perhaps you lost control in your work or you lost control over your health or you, you lost control in a family situation and it, and it bothered you. And you thought, well, I want to change this and you, you can't. You, you, not have the, you don't have the ability or perhaps you've been deserted by a person and, and there's this prevailing sense of outrage and you have no control over that issue. You, you can't change it. Or, you know, sometimes the, you're, you're, uh, it's like an impotent anger just, just fills us when others control our lives and you can't do anything about it. And you've got this anger, but it's impotent. It it's, can't do anything. And so what do you do? What happens when those situations come into your life? There's only one great response. Humility. See, see God says, if we try to exalt ourselves. He will, hum, he will bring us down. But when we humble ourselves, He will exalt us. And if we just simply say, God, I don't get it. I, don't, I can't control it. It's out of my hands. I don't understand it, but I'm falling on you, God. I'm falling on you. Let me give you five places where Solomon says we have no control over. And we have to accept it as it is from there. Number one is death. He said, there is no man that hath power over the spirit to retain the spirit. Neither hath he power in the day of death. And there is no discharge in that war. Everyone's going to die. Neither shall wickedness deliver those that are given to it. He said, it's no, there's no way out of this. And we don't have control. And there's one certainty that not even a devious, wicked person could ever escape. And that's death. That is going to happen. No one could hold their spirit. It's going to be there. The only one that could ever commend his spirit and did, did it rightly was Jesus himself. Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. But you can't control that. You can't retain it. You can't do that. Sure, there's medicine. Sure, there's things that can help you. But listen, this is, he's telling us, in the day of death, that's it. You can't say, I'm not going to die right now. It, it, it's there. It's from there. Which makes me wonder, there are different people, Confucius, Jesus, Buddha, and Muhammad, and, and many other religious uh, leaders that people have followed throughout their, their, their lives and still do today, not one of them could predict their death. Not one of them could even predict the year of their death. Jesus not only predicted the year of his death, Jesus predicted the hour of his death. Jesus was able to do that, but here's what Jesus did above all these people. Jesus turned around and Jesus said, I'll also predict my resurrection. I'm going to follow somebody who can tell you, yeah, I'm going to die, but I'm coming back to life again. And predicted it to the exact point, and that's our Savior, Jesus Christ. He is the one who has victory over these things. That's why we ought to, ought to follow Him. And I understand, you can be health conscious, and you can do that, and that's all great. My, my daughter-in-law has now put me on a diet to try to lose things. She's nutritionist, Sarah. And so last night, we had a gigantic plate of lettuce. It was incredibly scrumptious, <laughs> incredibly scrumptious. I mean, it looked amazing. It stood about this high off the plate, this massive big ball of lettuce in a glass of water. It was amazing. 
I mean, I want to tell you, most delicious lettuce I've ever tasted in my entire life. It was amazing. And I understand you can do all that stuff and you do that, but I'm going to tell you, you could be the healthiest person on planet Earth, but if your appointed time is up, you're going to drop dead like that because God says, I want it. You can't do anything about that. So what do you do? God, I just trust you. Trust you through all of this from here. I work through this and there's a war, there's no discharge from it, the only way out is through the graveyard. Unless the rapture takes place and you're out of here before then, that would be a blessing, wouldn't it? It takes place from there. So what else can't we do? Well, there's another thing. You can't get away with this. We're all going to have a day of death. We can't escape that. The time is there, it's appointed unto man once to die. And if you win life group this week, you would have studied a bit more about that. Then there is distress. Distress. All this I've seen and applied my heart unto every work that is done under the sun. There is a time wherein one man ruleth over another to his own hurt. Why is there distress? Why do people hurt other people? Why does that happen in this world? Why can't everyone just get along? I'm going to tell you, they don't. They don't. I wrote an article this week and I went to the morning bulletin about the Christchurch massacre. And my last comment was dealing with what Jesus spoke about the, the one thing that will change this world, and he gave it when he was asked a question, it was love. Love God, love your neighbor. And I put a caption in there. Wouldn't it be great if the whole, imagine the whole world would actually follow that command. Now that's what would be wonderful. But here's what we do know. We will have distress. There will be people where someone will actually hurt another person. And Solomon said, some people who try to abuse others, they themselves don't get away with it. God is in charge. He will always do this. And it's always hard. It's always hard to accept pain that is imposed upon us. It's always difficult. And you want to do something. You want to strike back. You want, you want to hurt someone smaller. That's why someone hurts you. you know, the boss blows you up. You go home and then you kick the dog. You think, I've got to get angry out in the dog. And, and then the dog goes, bites the cat. And the cat then jumps over the fence and eats the mouse or whatever. You know? And the whole cycle goes on. But he's saying, we always try to do something. Or simply, I just sit around and feel sorry for myself. And he's saying, you know what, some things you just got to accept and trust God in this. And what we understand is take care of the possible and trust God for the impossible. Because there are some things I will not, I've got to trust God with what I cannot control. And that includes those who want to hurt you. Those who, who, who distress us along the way with unavoidable or unalterable troubles that may have happened. You, you say, well, God, I've got to take care of what's possible but I trust you with the impossible. Now, here's the next thing, deception. It will happen in life. You will be deceived. Maybe you've been a deceiver. And he said, oh, I saw this. And I saw, I saw the, the wicked buried. So Solomon's saying, I saw, I saw wicked people get buried who had come and gone from the place of the holy. They used to go to church. That's what he's talking about. Well, they had to get to the temple in that day. And they were forgotten in this city where they had done so. I mean, People just forgot about all the stuff that was done. I mean, this person, and he said it's an injustice at a funeral. The wicked man gets a magnificent funeral that's not fitting for his life because he's got bucks. And everyone forgot how wicked he had really been. In fact, his wickedness had just glossed over. And he was such a good man, a great man, and wonderful person. And everyone's sitting there going, really? Slobodan Milosevic was a great man, really? Serious? Huh? And it's just glossed over. And Solomon said, what do you do about that? Well, what you realise is God has a perfect plan and nobody gets away with anything. God is not mocked and they still have to face God. 
And, and Solomon said, that's going to happen. Then what about defiance? And look at this one. This happens all the time. Because, because sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily, in other words, it takes you know, 10 years before a person ends up getting convicted, therefore the heart of the sons of men is fully set in them to do evil. Now, I want to, uh, this is another little, this might sound like a political rant, doesn't it? Uh, in some countries where they have uh, instant justice, instant issues, they deal with some things very, very quickly, uh, the crime rates have gone way down in those countries, but where countries allow things, and I, I'm all for the justice system, when they allow things to go on and things are not executed speedily, Solomon says, you know when you see that? Yeah, there are benefits to it, because sometimes you've got to make sure things are right, but sometimes people take it the, take it the wrong way. I think, oh, I got away with it, didn't I? Yeah, no one caught me, got away with it. Next thing, they're just fully set to do evil. Though a, though a sinner do evil a hundred times and his days be prolonged, yet surely I know that this shall be well with them that fear God. Solomon says, you know what I do know? Even though you see all that, just keep fearing God because they're not going to get away with it from there. Things will do that. There is payday one day. And there will be a reckoning for all those who've strayed between the cradle and the crypt. It will be a reckoning time from there. He said, just fear God, uh, deal with it. God is going to be in charge of this. Back in the 90, early 1900s, there was a, quite a wealthy farmer in the United States who professed to be an atheist and was quite outward about it. And he wrote a letter to a Baptist preacher. And he said this, Dear preacher, it is October and harvest time has come. I've got the biggest bank account of any wheat farmer in Iowa. I worked Sundays, I planted and plowed on Sundays, and now it's paid off. How do you account for that, preacher? The pastor wrote back a simple letter and said, Dear sir, God doesn't settle his accounts in October. <laughs> in other words, payday's coming. People can defy God and defy justice and defy things. God, God says, God, God's not mocked. Uh, there is a day coming from there. Then there's also disillusionment. There is a vanity which is done upon the earth, that there be just men unto whom it happeneth according to the work of the wicked. I mean, it doesn't seem right that the just person is getting what the wicked should get. Again, there be a wicked man to whom it happeneth according to the work of the righteous. How come the bad guy is getting good stuff? I said that's also vanity. It's just like, well, what is this? And there will be times of confusion. You see these things. I mean, I, I, you may have seen this... Uh, billboard that was promoted several years back there it said sometimes it takes a family of four to stop a drunk driver and you think how come the drunk driver is still alive but the family of four are dead that's what Solomon's saying so how do you deal with that and these things often they're unresolved mysteries of life and Solomon is saying this you, you, you think through these things and you say you know I don't understand why that person died then I why did that person just defy God and or defy the system? And this person was just desperately wicked and they got away with it. And it was just like a, this. And I'm just disillusioned with all these things from here. And I get to this point and some things I've figured out. And then I get to finding out and I realize I've got to go beyond it. And I can't get it anymore. And there's more death. There's more destruction. There's more things. And I'll never understand it. Some things you might be able to work out. But you'll hit a point past finding out and you just go say, God, you're in charge. And I trust you in that. And so I come to the last point, which is simply this. I lean on God in the confusion of life. Because there will be confusion. And you say, Pastor, what is this? What really, what is this? What's he all saying? He's telling us, just trust in me. Just trust in me. 
Yes, there are things. Thou art God when I don't understand. And no matter how long you stay awake at night, you're still never going to resolve it. So he tells us, here's what you need to do. Two things you need to do. Don't be ruled by misery because you don't understand. Too many people live a miserable life because they try to figure things out and they can't figure it out. Then I commended mirth, that's enjoyment, laughter and all these things, especially amusement that has laughter attached to it, because a man has no better thing under the sun than to eat and drink and to be merry. For that, for, for that shall abide with him of his labour the days of his life, which God giveth him under the sun. And he turns around and says, you know what I need to do? Wisdom is enjoying that which you cannot explain. Wisdom is just saying, I can't explain it, I'm just going to enjoy it, this is where it is. And the amount of times, despite what Solomon said, I saw under the sun, he would continually come back and say, well, just enjoy what God gives you. Just enjoy what God gives you. And if you can accept that which is unacceptable and not be ignorant of it, but know it and acknowledge, God, you're in charge, I'm not going to be ruled by misery. I'm not going to be ruled by that anxiety and goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life, even though you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death at times. And he tells us you need to just trust in God, work through that and just enjoy those things and don't let misery ruin your life. And then stop, don't stop requesting wisdom, even though you don't understand. I mean, just think, well, can't get it. Keep asking God. He may reveal it to you in his time. It may not be the time for that. There are some things Jesus said to his disciples and he said, it's not time now that you understand it, but the time will come. And when I applied my heart to know wisdom and to see the business that is done upon the earth, for also there is that neither day nor night that seeth sleep with his eyes, he said, you could try to stay awake all night, you're still not going to get it. Then I beheld all the work of God. The man cannot find out the work that is done under the sun, because though a man labour to seek it out, yet he shall not find it. Yea, further... Though a wise man think he know it, yet shall he not be able to find it. And if you lack wisdom, you ask God. We understand that God is still God. God designed the Christian life so that you live by faith and not by sight. He said, that's what pleases me. If I gave you full knowledge of every single thing, you may try to adjust it. He said, I just want you to trust me and walk, walk by faith. Consider the time, and God works in His timetable. And realize there is sometimes we say, Though He slay me, I'll trust in Him. And Job said, That's my answer. And wisdom is discovering what you can't discover and saying, That's where it is. We upgrade our knowledge base every year, yet there's so much we never discover. Uh, the pursuit of knowledge will never reach its goal. Daniel said they'll continue to pursue knowledge, continue to pursue knowledge. And God didn't forget to tell you everything. He just sometimes withholds and says, no, you don't need to know this. You don't need to know that. You know, as a parent, there are times where you don't tell your children everything. There are certain times at certain ages of life, you say it's not necessary for them to know that. You're struggling to pay the bills and you're not sure if we're going to be able to pay the mortgage payment or the rent uh, whether you'll be able to go pay that bill and your child is sitting there enjoying his life playing his games or her games now do you go up to that little child and say let me tell you something kid we could be out on the street next week everything could fall apart you don't do that what do you tell that little child you sit down and probably play the game and enjoy the game with them and God says you know there's so many things you'll never understand enjoy it enjoy life 
Enjoy those things you can't explain. And just, just follow me from there. Perhaps, perhaps we will discover a cure to cancer in this world. I don't know. Perhaps we will invent a spaceship that can take you to other galaxies. Richard Branson's trying. Perhaps these things will happen, but I'll never know. And God will say, when I permit you, I'll let you. He's the guardian of all knowledge. He's the guardian of all wisdom. Therefore, he dispenses that. And our simple response is to bow in humility, look upward to the peak of his mountain and say, God, I just trust in you. Lord, I don't understand. Thou art God when I don't understand. And I'm not going to let the smoke and mirrors distract me. I'm going to keep looking to you as the answer to my life. Let's bow our heads for prayer. And we're going to be dismissed. Our worship team is going to come and sing us out here today. Today would be a great time where if you're sitting there in your pew and you just want to say, God, I, I just want to utter those words that Pastor just said, like that old missionary said. And maybe you just want to simply say, God, thou art God when I don't understand. Thou art God when I don't understand. Andre Crouch wrote a song once. It's called Through It All. He said, I've had many tears and sorrows. I've had questions for tomorrow. There have been times I didn't know right from wrong. But in every situation, God gave blessed consolation that my trials come to only make me strong. Through it all, through it all, oh, I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God. And maybe that's what you want to say today. God, help me today as I walk out of this building to just have a greater trust in you as I walk by faith and not by sight. I love you, Lord. I honor you. And I give you all the glory that I can muster up inside of me and honor that to you as I worship you this morning. And I ask these and pray these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen.